This Mitzvah podcast is sponsored by my dear friend and study partner, Shia Gamzin. And when I asked him what he wants to dedicate it for, he said he wanted to dedicate it in my honor. I'm so touched by his kindness and by his friendship. Thank you so much for your support of Torch and the Torch Center and the Mitzvah podcast. And as always, my email address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com. We're up to mitzvah number 117, and again, we just started the book of Leviticus, and Leviticus, at least the beginning, begins with the laws of sacrifices, and we get an interesting law related to all sacrifices, and particularly to the mincha, to the meal offerings, and that is a restriction, a prohibition against bringing leavened bread or any sort of honey in sacrifices. The things that are offered on the altar cannot contain leavened bread or honey. And when we talk about honey, it means, of course, bee honey, or it also means date honey, or any other fruit extracts like nectars, things that are sweetened, that does not enter the temple, and certainly not on the altar. Now, included in this is a restriction against adding to the incense, if you were to add a little bit of honey the Talmud tells us that the smell would be materially and radically improved. And if you just add a little bit of honey to the concoction of the ketores, the incense, it would make the smell completely irresistible, as is the smell was heavenly. But if you were just add that ingredient, it would make it just just a different uh, a different stratosphere, stratospherically better. But it was prohibited because honey and leaven are not entering the temple. Now, there are some exceptions. So, for example, the shtehalechem, the two loaves that are brought on Shavuos. The verse says explicitly that it must be brought from leavened bread. That said, it's not offered upon the altar. So the restriction against bringing leavened bread applies really universally with this one exception. But even this one exception is not brought onto the altar. In addition, there is the first fruits, the bikurim, that is brought with fruits that would constitute as, you know, halakhically that would be considered honey. But likewise, they're not offered on the altar. So we have this mitzvah that governs the ingredients that go into some of the offerings that we bring to the temple. And we're told, cannot contain any chametz, any leavened bread, nor any honey. Now, when we try to understand the reason for this, the Sefer Chinuch, the book that we are using to navigate the mitzvahs, he often tries to give us a, a mitzvah which serves as a rationale. What would be the rationale behind this? And the Sefer Chinuch has a very interesting essay about the rationale behind this restriction. And he begins by talking about the reason why he wrote this book. So this is a book, again, that goes through all such a 13 mitzvahs. And in each mitzvah, it gives us the basic understanding, the basic snapshot of the mitzvah, and a rationale for it. Not necessarily the reason, the reason why we do any mitzvah, is because the Almighty thus instructed, but a rationale that can make it a little bit more understandable for us. And he adds, the reason why I wrote this is for young people, for my son and his friends, they should have something to read on Shabbos. This is what he says. And when they begin to study Torah, they shouldn't just be confronted with a wall of laws 
and edicts and decrees. It should connect to them. They should have some rationale, some justification behind the mitzvos. Then it makes sense. It's logical. And that's a way to kind of begin a person's immersion in Torah. And it's a concern. If you just are confronted with all these laws and it's just very rigid strictures about how you're supposed to live and every year of your life is governed and there's no reason, there's no rationale, there's no rhyme or reason, that will leave you with a bad feeling in your mouth. And in order for for young people to be receptive to Torah, to not reject it, that's why I wrote this book. And he says, this mitzvah, I'm struggling. I don't know why we have this mitzvah. And therefore, because you understand my approach, my reason for writing this book, you'll forgive me when I speculate. You can't criticize me. Don't hold me accountable for what I say because I'm just speculating. You know my intention and my justification for writing this. And therefore, don't criticize me if you don't agree with my reason. That's his introduction. And he says, I'm going to share with you a theory as to why we have these restrictions to not bring chametz, leavened bread, and honey with sacrifices. And he gives some very interesting theories. So he begins by telling us that the objective of sacrifices in general, it's really there to send a message and to awaken the person who's bringing the sacrifice. And he's supposed to take some sort of lesson from his action. There's supposed to be some sort of idea, some sort of insight, some sort of takeaway that the person who brings the offering, brings the sacrifice, walks away with. And when it comes to leaven, leaven bread, chametz, if you've ever been to a matzah bakery, the one the one quality that's just buzzing about, that is palpable when you walk into the room, is speed. Why? Because th- there's a, a countdown timer. Once you mix the water with the flour, you have 18 minutes, and that's it. So you have to do whatever you can in these 18 minutes to not allow it to leaven. And it's incredible how many matzahs they will produce in one 18-minute cycle. Because once the 18 minutes are over, they have to scrub down every part of the whole room and sterilize it effectively and begin anew. And therefore, the quality of, of, of matzah is all about speed and alacrity and energy. When you're bringing a sacrifice... You're supposed to take away a lesson. One of the lessons is the imperative for speed in doing the will of Hashem. He quotes the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that you should run like a deer to do the will of your Creator. We read in the Torah and in Rashi, for example, that mitzvos and matzos a mitzvah and a matzah, they're actually spelled the same way in the Torah. They're pronounced differently. But the word mitzvot and matzot 
are spelled the same way. And just as when it comes to making matzos, we have to be quick and we have to be energized and focused and speedy, so too when it comes to doing a mitzvah, don't tarry, don't procrastinate, don't just sit around and wait, I'll get to the mitzvah eventually. What's the rush? That's exactly what the Yitzhah wants you to to do. Ah, I'll get to it eventually. Ah, it's fine. I got, I got a long life ahead of me. I'll eventually get to it. If not, now, when? If not, now, when? That's one of the lessons, says the Sefer Chinuch, from this mitzvah. And he tells us that the concern is either by something that an individual does or by something that happens on a regular basis. When it's something that's out of the ordinary, it's a once-in-a-year phenomenon, and it's done by the public, then there's no risk of having this negative takeaway of being lazy and procrastinating. And therefore, the one time a year that there's a public meal offering, i.e. the Shtei Alechem on Shavuos, then it's okay if it becomes if it becomes chametz, because then there's no concern that there will be an aura, an atmosphere of laziness and sloth and procrastination. But the showbread that comes on a regular basis, it's got to be made out of matzah. So that's the Sefer Chinuch's theory as to why there cannot be any chametz in the temple. Well, what about honey? Why is honey restricted? So he says, very interesting, when you want to punish a child, you tell him, no candy. You can't have any sweets. Similarly, for adults, adults sometimes have a weakness for delicacies, for junk food, and the gluttons fress and eat a lot of junk. And the Torah is trying to teach you a lesson on nutrition and proper diet. And therefore, it's reminding you, avoid the junk. Don't eat, don't follow your sweet tooth. Only eat healthy and nutritious food. And then he goes on to talk about the importance of good nutrition. He says, why are we eating? We're eating because we need strength. And the human body can only subsist if it has food. And if it has sustenance and if it has nourishment. A thinking person, a wise person, would not eat for pleasure. Eating for pleasure is a very low level of pleasure-seeking. If you're a thinking person, if you're sophisticated, you're going to find your fulfillment, your pursuit of pleasure should be on more ethereal, more elevated things. And therefore, this is, again, his idea. The Torah is telling us, you're bigger than that. You shouldn't be going after the uh, the cookies and the cake and the sweets and the junk. Disdained by the wise. That's his words. Physical pleasure is disdained by the wise. The wise people know that we're here to seek pleasure. But there are much more elevated pleasures. There's much more sophisticated pleasures, much more spiritual pleasures, intellectual 
pleasures, the pleasure of pursuit, of wisdom, of Torah, of God. The pleasure of the soul outweighs whatever we can release endorphins in our body. And that's why when you go to the temple, you are going to be spiritually elevated. It's important for you to realize that it also demands some abstinence from the lower level pleasures of the world. That's his initial idea as to maybe a reason behind the Torah's restriction against bringing leavened bread and honey with sacrifices. And then he offers a second explanation. He says that leaven, it expands, it puffs itself up. Similarly, honey and sweets, they stimulate us. The Torah wants us to be humble and to not be arrogant or hubristic. And he quotes a verse in Proverbs, God hates the haughty and those who have an elevated heart. And therefore, when it comes to the temple, that perhaps is a second interpretation as to why we should avoid, we should eschew leaven and honey. And then he quotes the Ramban, who offers a third reason. This is a really interesting idea that the Ramban says. This is the Ramban's comment to this verse in Leviticus. The objective of all offerings and sacrifices is to bond us with our Creator. And therefore, when we bring offerings to the temple with the emphasis or with the focus, with the intention of trying to connect with our Creator, we should not bring things, elements, agents that are designed to alter the nature of the world. When you have a leavening agent, you're kind of saying, you're probably not saying this actively, but your deeds are saying, just the flour and water, mm, that's not good enough. I need to have it expanded. I need to have more flavor. I have to add some sugar. And part of that Activity is saying the way all naturals just, it's just not for me. What, what Hashem gave me is maybe a bit in, insufficient. Of course, the leaven radically alters the, the look of the bread and the taste as well. And honey it sweetens everything and it injects some sort of artificial flavoring. Anytime you're changing the way Hashem made the world, it's a little bit of a of, of a indication that the way Hashem created the world is not completely perfect. Now, of course, we do add flavors to our food. But when you come to the temple, you should try to develop a, a, a greater sensitivity to this idea, and therefore you withhold anything that changes the nature of the Almighty's creation. This is a similar idea to why we're told not to not to graft different fruits together, not to mix different species together, not to interbreed different species together. 
Hashem gave us a world. And the second we try to materially improve it, it does smack a little bit of a lack of appreciation for the world that Hashem created us. Even though the Almighty created in the world the ability for us to manipulate it and to, so to speak, improve nature, and we're allowed to eat, you know, tangerines or pineapples or all these fruits that are hybrids, we shouldn't do it. And certainly when you come to the temple, that should not be part of what you're offering to the Almighty. And he has another point. We know that the Almighty created the world with a certain equilibrium, with a certain balance. And he quotes the Midrash. The Midrash says that the Almighty initially wanted to create the world that it governs as per the rules of judgment. But then the Almighty saw that the world would not endure if it was operated, if it was governed solely by the attribute of judgment. So the Almighty said, I'm going to inject a degree of mercy into the world, and the world will be governed by a balance of judgment and mercy. That's the way the Almighty created the world. Everything is in a nice, harmonious balance. We're in the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, just perfect. You come and you bring somewhat, you add some honey, it creates a, a stewed product. It's a sweet product. It's not balanced. And that is a little bit of a problem, certainly in the temple. So again, these are, these are ideas to make this concept a little bit more understandable for us. But the Sefer Chinuch is acknowledging this is not really the reason per se. These are some ideas to advance, to advance potentially ideas that we can use to understand this mitzvah, perhaps, and to take some sort of lesson home with us in the event that we are fortunate enough to bring a sacrifice and an offering to the temple. My grandfather, a blessed member, used to say that the Talmud, the Talmud compares the Yetzer Hara to the leaven in the bread. Talmud, the book of Brachos, page 17a, we want to do the will of the Almighty. The prayer goes. But what is stopping us? What's inhibiting us? The leaven in the bread. Leaven is synonymous with the eight Sahara. It takes the food, the sustenance, which we, we need sustenance, but it makes it a pursuit of its own. In an ideal world, you just partake from the world, from this physical world, whatever you need, but your your ultimate goal, your ultimate objective, your ultimate pursuit is the spiritual agenda. But that's not what the Yetzirah wants. The Yetzirah wants us to make this world the ultimate destination, the ultimate goal, and the pursuit of physical pleasures, that's really what we're living for. And thus, the Yetzirah is symbolic of the leaven and the bread. You need sustenance. Everyone needs nourishment and food to live. But how do you couch that food? If you're a foodie, as it's called, you're someone who's living for food. Well, what about your soul? What about the agenda of your soul? And therefore, we... I identify the Yetzirah as the leaven in the bread. It's the force that 
transforms food from something that you need, a necessary evil, into a destination. And thereby you forget what you're really here for. I have a statement that I, I, I say, and it gets all the Texans upset. All the Texans get very upset with me. Rabbi, that is blasphemous. How can you say that? I'll say it nonetheless. After all, I'm, I'm, I'm the dictator of my podcast. I can say whatever I want. So if you're, if you're a Texan and you don't want to get upset, just plug your ears for a minute or two. I think that Bucky's is the Yetzahara. Here's why. Used to be, you know, you're on a, a road trip. You have to get someplace. And your car can only, you know, has 15 gallons of gasoline. That's it. And therefore you run out of fuel. You need to refuel. You go to this dingy little gas station and you're like, will I be shivved here? Is this a safe place? It's kind of scary looking, but I, but I need the gas. That's the way it used to be. And then this Bucky's guy, they put up signs 150 miles ahead of the Bucky's that there's a gas station in 150 miles. And my kids love going to Bucky's. That's a destination. They took a gas station, which you need. It was just like a necessary evil. And they turned it into a destination. That is the Yitzhara. We're here. We're trying to get someplace. Where are we going? This world's a corridor. It's a corridor before Olamaba. And in the corridor, you need to be fed. You need to be fueled. And you need to have a certain amount of food, a certain amount of water, a certain amount of physical needs met. And you continue along your journey. Comes on the Yitzhara and says, no, it's the, the physical needs. That's what you're here for. It's a destination. That is the goal. So Bhaktis is the embodiment of the Yitzhara. Now that all the Texans are upset at me, and all the people who are not from Texas are just mystified by what I just said, Google it, Bucky's, B-U-C-C-E-E-S. Now that I made everyone upset, uh, we can explain the idea. The Yitzhara, what it wants us to do is to make a platform out of this world. The whole year, and certainly when you, you go to the temple, it must be eschewed. But there is one day a year that it's fine to bring chametz to the temple. And that is on Shavuos with the Shteilach and with the two loaves. And the reason why is because on Shavuos, we're not worried about the Yitzharah. On Shavuos, we got the Torah. And the Torah is the antidote for the Yitzharah. And if you have the Torah... The Yitzhak can't do any damage to you. And therefore, the one day a year where you have the prophylactic against the Yitzhak, it's okay to have the Shtehalechem, the two loaves offering, have some chametz in it. But that's a nice idea to explain this principle that we read in the Torah. There is a restriction, a prohibition against bringing chametz and honey into the temple. Of course, 
We hope to be fortunate enough to bring sacrifices and offerings in the third temple. May it be rebuilt speedily in our days. And now we have some reasons, some ideas that can be practical for us, even if we don't have a temple and we don't have the ability to bring sacrifices, the principle, at least the various ideas that were offered uh, from the Sefer Chinuch, from the Ramban, from my grandfather, Basel memory, that can be useful for us as well in our lives.